Uh, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Leon Barber. I'm the executive director here at Harvest Church, and uh, I believe I have a message today that is both sobering, but also at the same time it's uplifting, and I believe it's going to help each and every one of us. Uh, I want you to listen to this quote. I got this from Pastor Hagen of Rhema Church. He said this, life is a battleground, not a playground. Satan or the enemy comes at us from all directions, so we can't put him in a box. He operates differently amongst us because we all have different personalities and weaknesses. That's why we must guard against being overconfident and prideful. The enemy tests us to see if we will continue to walk in the victory that God has already given us. So listen. Uh, my wife is very fond of saying, 2020, get out of here. <laughs> it's been a pretty rough year for a, a whole lot of us. But you know what I believe what God is saying to us today? I believe God is saying to the body of Christ, expect to win. Expect to win. We're not losers. We are winners. So that in order to win, whether we're talking about a sports team, whether we're talking about a military battle or life itself, we have got to expect to win, and we have got to prepare to win. And I came today with a message that I believe will help us to do just that. Are you ready? It's so nice to see y'all's faces in here, I'll tell you. <laughs> so let me kind of set the table with a few statements and a few scriptures. Listen to this. God can open up doors that no man can close. So if some doors are being closed to you, just keep knocking on other doors until the one that God has for you is open. Listen, I'm very fond of saying this. There's no human being on this planet or demon in hell that can stop the plan of God from going forward. Not a one. Now, we always have a part to play, and obstacles may try to get in our way, but God has already assured us of the victory, and his plans will go forth. Amen? People will try to destroy our hopes. Other things like a bad job, bad financial decisions, bad health, bad relationships are some of the things that try to make us think that we are losing. But instead of allowing those thoughts to overwhelm us, how about we let those things motivate us to do better, to listen closely, more closer to God, to do a better job, and I'm talking about myself now, to do a better job of obeying him. Here's another great statement I, I thought is going to help set the table here. Everything contrary to the word has the potential to cause us to lose in life. Let me repeat that. Everything contrary to the word has the potential to cause us to lose in life. The corollary to that is everything that's in the word will cause us to win in life. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, in the Amplified says, For I know the plans and thoughts that I have for you, says the Lord. Plans for peace and well-being and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. Romans 15, 13, Paul wrote this, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing through the experience of your faith that by the power of the Holy Spirit you will abound in hope and overflow with confidence in his promises. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is the assurance, the title deed or the confirmation of things hoped for or divinely guaranteed and the evidence of things not seen. It's the conviction of their reality, 
Faith comprehends as fact what cannot be experienced by the physical senses. So, here's one of the bottom lines to this message. What you're going through is not the end of your story. Why? Because if God gave you a word, which he's given all of us his written word, if God said it, it will happen. It will happen. And if there's hope in the future, then it means that there's power in the present that we live in right now. Good things are going to happen to you. Matter of fact, why let's all say that. Good things are going to happen to me. Amen. So let me say this again. Expect to win. I know I might sound like a high school basketball coach, but you know what? Expect to win. So what does it really mean to expect? I've got some news for you. Expectation is synonymous with what I call biblical hope. I used to think that the word hope was synonymous with the word wish. Like, if it was an algebraic equation, equation, I would say, I hope that happens equals I wish that would happen. But no, hope is earnest expectation. Here's the difference between wishing and expecting. So let's say after service, my car is parked uh, over there somewhere. So after service, I get in my car, and right before I push the button to start it, I say, boy, I, I sure hope this car starts. I wish this car would start. And I don't know about you, but I've had cars like that <laughs> where I had to actually park it on a hill and uh, give it a good push, jump in and pop the clutch. Y- y'all don't know what I'm talking about. Okay. So, uh, but no, that's, that, that would be, it wouldn't, it, I, I, when I get in my car, when I push the button, I expect it to start. I don't even think about it. My mind is somewhere else. Matter of fact, I'm shocked if it doesn't, right? That's the difference between wishing and expectation. So let me read to you an explanation of the word hope from Bible.org. It says, what is hope? Is it a wishy-washy maybe or a kind of unsure optimism? The modern idea of hope is to wish for, to expect, but without certainty of fulfillment. To desire very much, but with no real assurance of getting your desire. But in scripture, according to the Hebrew and Greek words translated by the word hope, And according to the biblical usage of that word, hope is an indication of certainty. Hope in Scripture means a strong and confident expectation. And although it's archaic today in modern terms, hope is akin to trust and confident expectation. That's why I can stand here and confidently express to you and to myself, folks, we need to expect to win. Listen, uh, several months ago, on, I think it was on a Wednesday night, Pastor gave a great illustration of this point. He literally called a pizza place and ordered a pizza. And I believe he made Joseph pay for it. <laughs> that was hilarious. But then what did he do? He hung up the phone, and what was the next thing that happened? He expected the pizza to be delivered. And it did show up, because I remember they asked me if I wanted a slice of it, but it didn't have uh, what I like on it, so I declined. But here's the point. They made the call. They had the money ready. They didn't think about it. 30 minutes later, the pizza show up. Now, I'm going to ask you what's what's commonly known as a rhetorical question. That I I learned a long time ago, that means it's like a make-believe question. How many of us 
have more faith in the pizza delivery folks than we do God? Don't answer that. Selah, as King David used to say. Now, we can't pick up the phone, call God, and place our order, and then expect him to deliver it just like that. However, we can and we should expect our request of him to be done because that's what he said in his word. 1 John 5, 14 to 15 says this. This is the remarkable degree of confidence which we as believers are entitled to, to have before God, that if we ask anything according to his will, that is consistent with his plan and purpose, he hears us. Man, if the scripture stopped right there, I would be reassured just to know that God hears us. But then it goes on. It says, and if we know for a fact, as indeed we do, that he hears and listens to us in whatever we ask, we also know with settled and absolute knowledge that we have granted to us the request which we have asked from him. Hope equals expectation equals we believe that what we are going through will get better. Expect the win, folks. Expect God to answer your prayers. God is in us. He's for us. He's with us. Expect to win. You're going to hear me say that at least a dozen more times before I'm finished talking today. So I, I, I don't know about you, but before I knew any of these things, even though I didn't realize it was happening, when bad things happened to me, what I tended to do was focus more on the problem than focus on what God had to say about the situation. And... Uh, what happened invariably was the problem seemed to have gotten bigger. And eventually, after coming to Harvest Church and reading the Word and listening and paying attention, it dawned on me one day, what does God have to say about the matter? And I started digging into the Scripture. And then what I started to do, I started focusing on God. When I was focusing on the bad, I was literally blind to the good things that God wanted to do for me. And in thinking about it, what was really happening was I was giving the enemy more place in my life than I was giving God Almighty. Folks, we don't, that's not where we want to live. We want to live where, 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 where we're subjected to the presence and the word of God in every matter. God cares for each and every one of you. He cares about our lives. He cares about what we eat. He cares about where we work. He cares about our health. He cares about our finances. He cares about us. I've learned a lot of things that have changed my life, and here's one of the major things I've learned. It's important for us to remember that the enemy is a created being that was thrust out of heaven by the creator of the universe. He is not all-powerful. Jesus Christ himself defeated Satan. I like to say it like this, being from Baltimore. I like to remind the devil each and every morning, devil, shut up. My Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, came to your hometown, kicked your little narrow, and took away from you the keys to hell, death, and the grave. So just shut up. I'm not listening to you. <laughs> you know, the, Jesus said he saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. I liken it to this. If there's like a little gnat on your shoulder, what do you do? You go like that. That's what happened to the devil and a third of the enemy, angels. And I guarantee you this, they probably on their backs looking up from earth, looking at heaven and said, man, I probably 
I probably shouldn't have done that, but it was too late. He is a created being. He is not God. Only God is God. The devil's power cannot be compared to the power or the word of God. It's like comparing a pebble to the sun. There is no comparison. But yes, sometimes it seems, and he is, the enemy is relentless in his attacks on us, particularly in our minds. But guess what? Look at what 1 John 4, 4 says. You, dear children, are from God, and you have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one that's in the world. Greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. When we have God's word on something, how powerful do you think that is? Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 to 13 says, I love this. God means what he says. What he says goes. His powerful word is sharp as a surgeon's scalpel, cutting through everything, whether doubt or defense, laying us open to listen and obey. Nothing and no one is impervious to God's word. We can't get away from it no matter what. And no matter what we do in life, we're proving God's word works. If we're not obeying him, what happens to us proves God's word works. If we are obeying him, what happens to us then is proving God's word, God's word works. I'm getting a little excited up here. Expect to win. When God is on our side, there is no power in the universe that can succeed against us. None. I don't care what anybody says. I don't care if it seems like the whole world is against you. If God is for you, who? Who can stand against you? Let me just share one of mine and my wife's wilderness experiences. We've been on this planet long enough. We've had several of them. But several years ago, long story short, some of you heard this. I got laid off from my job as an IT consultant. Um, at the same time, my wife had to undergo surgery. Uh, I couldn't find another job. It was, it was, it was a wilderness experience. The, uh, for, I couldn't find a job for months. I was collecting un um, unemployment insurance until one day I answered the ad in the newspaper and it was to be a car salesman. And uh, Vic, I have a tremendous appreciation for car salesmen because that was the toughest job I ever had. It was really cool, but boy, those hours are long. You're on your feet all day. And, uh, but, and it would have been really cool, but I was suffering. I was having some physical challenges. My wife had to go to surgery. We weren't making enough money. And the stress was getting to me, but God. So one day, I'm at the, I'm at the lot. I don't want to say the name of the dealership I was working at, but I was at the lot, and this couple comes in. And uh, they, they, their son was a music prodigy, and they brought him in so that he could attend. Apparently, Winston-Salem has a school of music that's renowned throughout the country. They... And this couple brought their son there from the Bahamas to study music. And they stopped at the car dealership not to purchase a car. These folks were some of the finest Christian folks I've ever met in my life. And they said they stopped there. I found out later on they literally stopped there because God told them to. And then they ran into me and they knew immediately why they were there. And... Uh, they started speaking to me, and it was a God moment. And I just, everything that was in me, I just kind of unloaded on them. It was very emotional. 
We were in a back parking lot pretending like we were looking at cars. <laughs> and, uh, but here's what they did. They prayed for me. They encouraged me. And they reminded me that the God that is in me was greater than the enemy. And they helped me to stop expecting to lose. And instead, they instilled in me, listen, you need to start expecting to win. Glory to, glory to God. Check this out. It wasn't four weeks later than one of the many jobs that I had applied for in the 12 months preceding that came through as an IT project manager with a large financial institution. And I never forget that, man. I, I, those car dealership folks, they were upset when I left. I didn't care. <laughs> I didn't care. So, folks, expect to win. Expect to win. You might be sitting there thinking that sounds good, but uh, Leon, how do I do that? If that's you, I'm glad you asked the question. I've got five things here that I believe will help us all to prepare to win and help us to raise our expectations. Number one, we need to constantly renew our mind on the Word of God. We need to find the, whatever our situation is, we need to find the applicable Scripture, take it before God, believe it, and here's the key thing. Do not speak anything contrary to what the Word of God says. I can't tell you. Years ago, I, I would sit there and I'd read. It would be a good word. I hear a good word. And then i leave and i say, yeah, that sounded good, but. And then I think I was talking to pastor, and I, I, I started expressing the same thing. He's like, uh, no, there's, he said, what, what God says, that's it, period. There's no but. I was like, oh, I had to change my thinking there. No matter what, don't speak anything contrary to what you're believing. Let's go back to that scripture, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 to 13, this time from the contemporary English version. It says this, what God has said isn't only alive and active, it is sharper than any double-edged sword. His word can cut through our spirits and souls and through our joints and marrow until it discovers the desires and thoughts of our hearts. Nothing is hidden from God. He sees through everything, and we will have to tell him the truth. Expect to win. Renew your mind on the word of God. Number two, and this is absolutely critical, particularly today, prayer. We've got to be prayers, folks. This coming Wednesday, we have a tremendous opportunity. As uh, Kena announced, we're going to be praying for our educators, um, all the support folks, all the administrative folks, the students. And it's going to be a wonderful time in prayer. And we, if you're watching us on the internet, we encourage you, tune in, because there is no time and space in the spirit. Romans 12, 12 says this, rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. <laughs> that, we should write a song, keep on praying. Anyway, Mark eleven twenty four 24 says, I tell you, you can pray for anything. And if you believe that you received it, it will be yours. Prayer changes things. Patrice and I will be talking and we'll hear about something that happened and we'll just turn the TV off and we'll just take it immediately to God. Because we know. What I used to do years ago, I, I'd hear things that were happening in the world, in the country, wherever, and I would just complain about it. Or, I, I, or I'd be talking to somebody and we would complain about it together. And you know what? It never helped. Matter of fact, when I, when I look back, I find out that I actually started feeling worse. But my wife and I, what we do is we take it to God immediately. 
Did that work? Yeah, there we go. We take it to God immediately. Prayer changes things. Consider this. Prayer is a two-way communication with our Heavenly Father. That means we get to bring what's, what is on our hearts and minds to His attention. And guess what? He gets to bring what's on His heart and mind to our attention. I have found out that during my time of prayer with the Father is when I receive answers and strength and joy and ideas and ability for everything I need. I've also found out that it's a lot more important to listen to God. He wants to hear from us. But I try to spend more time listening than I do talking. Now, I'm not listening. I'm not talking about an audible voice. You don't want to start seeking audible voices. But I'll get up early in the morning, and I'll read my scripture, and I'll just sit there. I'll say a few words to God, and there's several times where he'll tell me, hush up now. And I'll just sit there quietly, and a word will come off my heart, something to do, something to read, somewhere to go, something to give. God is amazing. And if we sit there quietly long enough, he will speak to us. And I, uh, prayer, two-way communication between God and us. Expect to win, folks. Get your prayer life up. Renew your mind on the word of God. Number three, stay connected to the body. We've got several folks here with us today. And um, as Kena said, we're opening up the church. We have a max capacity of 150 and we're doing social distancing and we're all wearing masks. I took mine off for a few minutes before I came up here. Um, we have, we actually have a cleaning crew on the premises that are actually sanitizing place. We're doing everything and above and beyond what the governor says. But stay connected to the body, whether you're physically here or visiting us on the internet. Stay connected to your church family, people who will really help you. I mentioned earlier, sometimes we go through things in life, and I just said, find applicable scripture, read it, study it, and apply it. But sometimes I didn't know what's, where to go in the scripture. Well, that's when I would pick up the phone or text pastor, pastor, give, what scripture covers this specific area? Or I'll read something from Dad Hagen, and just coincidentally, that, that day, that scripture covered that area. I will find out from somebody. But being connected... To, to a group of people who are here to help you will definitely uh, go a long way in that regard. We are huge on connection here at Harvest Church. As a matter of fact, we're always looking for better ways to stay connected, particularly with this uh, pandemic that we've been going through. But guess what? Regardless of how great our communication processes are, regardless of how great our, and how wonderful our small groups, connect groups may be, if we don't decide to take advantage of it, it will be for naught. It will be as if it doesn't exist. And here's what will happen. I learned this the hard way as well. When we are not connected to the body, then we get separated from the pack. And when we get separated from the pack, that's when the enemy will pick us off. That's when we're at our weakest. If for no other reason, stay connected. If for no other reason, then for that. Don't allow that to happen. Get connected and stay connected. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23 through 26 says, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, 
not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. Expect a win, folks. Stay plugged in. Come here, join us physically if you can, if you're able. Join us online. But expect to win. Stay connected. Number four, this changed my life. Number four, serve God. Join one of Harvest's service team. We have lots of opportunities for people to help us around here. And do you know that what you do for God in his house, he will do more for you in your house? Because when you're serving God, you're literally sowing seeds. And the word says this in Galatians 6, 7, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reap what he sows. Also, when you're serving God, you're positioning yourself for him to reward you. Ephesians 6, 8 says, remember that the Lord will reward each one of us for the good we do, whether we are slaves or free. And God promises to never forget our service. He said in Hebrews 6.10, For God is not unjust. He will not forget how hard you have worked for him and how you have shown your love to him by caring for other believers as you still do. I cannot tell you how much God has blessed my wife and myself and our family, particularly in situations where we had absolutely no control over. For instance, we have five grown children and 15 grandchildren. And when your children are grown, you have literally, unless they call you and ask you for advice, you don't have any control over them whatsoever. But because we pray for them and because we've been serving God faithfully in his house, each one of those children, we've watched God has tallied his God. Folks, what I'm talking about here, these points here, we expect to win but when I was in martial arts, I expected to win, but I had to train, too. I had to prepare to win. This is a huge thing that will help prepare us to win. Man, I believe in my heart that God has taken care of us because we have sown our time, our talents, and our resources into this, his house, and his kingdom. Expect to win. <laughs> Serve God. The fifth point, tithe and give. Pastors have been teaching us for years. Tithe 10%, save 10%, learn to live by budgeting the other 80%. Great advice. And we are around here, we're firm believers in the principles espoused by the financial peace. Uh, the financial peace principles taught by Dave Ramsey. Why? Because if we expect to win in the financial realm, we, just like in all the other areas of our lives, we must do what God says in order to win. And listen to what the Lord says in Malachi 3.10. You know, all my scriptures are, my, are the favorite, but this is one of my absolute favorites. He says this, I am the Lord all-powerful. Now, I'm going to stop there for a second. Why would God put in a writing that I am the Lord all-powerful? We're reading the Bible. Now, this isn't for people who are not reading the Bible, but if we're reading the Bible... We probably have a good idea that God is all-powerful. But I think he's trying to tell us something here. I am the Lord all-powerful, and I challenge you to put me to the test. Bring the entire 10% into the storehouse or the local church so there will be food in my house. Then I, the Lord all-powerful, will open the windows of heaven and flood you with blessing after blessing. 
Two things about this scripture. One, I heard it said by biblical scholars a lot smarter than me that said this is the only place in the Bible where God says, challenge me, prove me. Number two, when God says he will flood you with blessing after blessing, imagine a flood. We've seen it all seen it on TV. And imagine that flood, instead of being a flood of water, it's just blessing after blessing after blessing after blessing. So big, and another translation says, God will give us so much that we don't have room enough, we don't have room enough to receive it. What does that mean? It means we'll be forced to give it away because we have so much. But what did it start with? It start with one dime out of a dollar, one dollar out of ten, ten out of a hundred, tithe and give. Folks, God is encouraging us today to expect to win. Don't be discouraged. Don't give up. Your victory is coming. Expect to win. Amen? Now, I'm wrapping up here. In order to be able to obtain all that God has in store for us, in order to have these high expectations that I just described, in order for the word of God to work on our behalf. There's one thing that we all must do if we haven't done so already, and that is we must accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. We must. And I don't want to take for granted that everyone within the sound of my voice is saved. So I'm just going to take a moment here and lead us all in the prayer of salvation. And if this is your first time praying this prayer, we encourage you. Believe in your heart as you are speaking it. And God says in his word that you will be saved. So everybody within the sound of my voice, either here physically or if you're watching us on that, just bow your head and repeat after me. God, I believe in my heart that you sent your son Jesus to die on a cross to wipe away all my sins. I believe in my heart that you raised Jesus from the dead Jesus, I ask you now to be my Lord and to be my Savior. And I confess you as my Lord. Jesus, you are now my Lord and you are now my Savior. Amen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, please call us at the number on the screen. We'd love to talk with you to get you started. You know, there's a God-given destiny that every human being has, and we love to help you get started on that journey and help you get strengthened and fulfill everything that God has in store for you.